0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Unicorn.com, the premier esports betting site. Log on today to bet on your favorite games like League of Legends, Counter-Strike Global Offensive, basically any esport you can come up with for the chance to win awesome prizes like the Logitech G633 headset that I'm using right now. Enjoy the episode. Hello, Internet. This is Chase Redshirt, King Wassenaar. I am the head coach of Imperial Esports. It's nice to be able to finally say that. And welcome to another special edition of the Rough Drafts podcast, where the only thing rougher than our pick-and-ban phase is anyone who was really hoping that we'd see Fnatic Orange versus Fnatic Black one more time. We were this close, guys. We were this close to our WWE dreams on both sides of the bracket actually coming true, but somehow we are going to see G2 and Origin battle it out. And to break all of the semifinals action and preview this last finals weekend, I could not ask for a better co-host than my good friend and writer for Slingshot Esports, Walter c FedChuck. Walter, how you doing, man? Let me put it this way.
1: We got an even better storyline. We got the one that I wanted for summer, which is going to be Peke versus Ocelot. Yeah. Like, come on, that is that is fantastic. I'm so disappointed in myself for last week, not recognizing it, not recognizing that that would have been a better storyline for this split, because... Who knows, like maybe Origin wins this series and it brings Ocelot and Ocelot says, I need to play now. I, I need to come back and show these whi- you know, young whippersnappers how to do this. And then we get an entire split of Peke and Ocelot going back and forth. It'll never happen, but that's what I should have read in the tea leaves. And I'm sorely disappointed with myself in missing it. But we're going to get a pretty good final series, I think.
0: All I'm hoping now, now that we've actually seen ex-Peke sub himself in in a playoff series, I'm hoping Ocelot will do the same. If he sees X come to the stage. Just to let it happen one more time. Why not? I I don't know if ocelot has been playing, but if you're out there, man, and you're listening to this, it's one game. He's I, he's not on their roster. I know, but it will come on. Can't we make it one time exception? I feel like No. No. no it's Riot. Yeah. No precedent. <laughs> Well, let's talk about the the precedent for these series we're about to go into, because we do have two semifinal series that we need to wrap up, both of which I think had a lot of interesting takeaways as far as what we can learn for the rest of these playoffs and for the region moving forward. And the first one was H2K versus Origin. This was a five-game series. Uh, A lot of times, it really looked like it could have gone either way. Uh, Both teams had more decisive victories. Both teams had victories that looked a lot more up in the air. Walter, what was your biggest takeaway at the end of this series?
1: Man, my, my biggest takeaway is that I don't think Peke is the most clutch player in LCS history. I think it's now gone down to Soaz because every single game that Peke was a part of being clutch, Soaz was also in. So, yeah, I'm kind of intrigued by this series because it was probably the most even out of the two European series. It was very back and forth. Teams had some some pretty straightforward priority in, in what they wanted to play. H2K didn't really defer from their C tower, get tower, C objective, get objective play style. It was very straightforward. Forgiven had some pretty good games across the board. And at the end of the day, it came down to Origin was was just able to kind of squeak away with one extra win. I think bringing peke in for game four caught h2k slightly off guard and then they were caught even more off guard when they pulled peke out for game five it that was the strangest moment to me was peke came in for game four played lulu you're like oh, okay like whatever and then game five and you go okay that worked that composition worked so well like it's gonna be another utility mage and then power of evil is back in and he plays oriana too it's It was a very strange like two hours to end the series, but at the end of the day, I I thought it was a great series. I thought that a few people on H2K, Yankos and and Vander in particular, really just failed to show up and forgiven again. His dreams are crushed of going to an international event. Well, and it's
0: important that you note Yankos and Vander here when you're looking at where H2K fell flat because... These were the guys that I was noticing were falling flat. And on the one hand with Yankos, it did feel like they put him on some interesting champions as a general rule. I mean, here's amazing in the first couple games. He keeps getting the kindred. He keeps getting all of these you know, power picks that we're used to seeing. And, and what's Yankos doing? Well, he's got Graves. He's got Elise. He's got Lee Sin. Kind of the tier that you would look at as being below the top tier junglers. I don't know why he isn't playing Nidalee or Kindred himself. It seems like the kind of thing that they could have built around to give him more of that aggressive kill pressure. But instead, they handed that over, and it really meshed with this entire style of play that I think we saw from H2K, especially if you look at the way they warded. And I know for a lot of people, this is where they tune out because they're like, oh, God, the last thing I want to do is listen to someone rant about how one pink ward placed in a particular area. Like, I, I don't need to hear Krepo's 20-minute rant on this. I don't need to hear yours either. But it is really important to note how these teams played the map. H2K is a very reactive team. It's why them playing these siver compositions can sometimes be such a mixed bag, because while they're really good at getting objectives and getting the vision around those objectives afterwards to keep furthering a lead, they're not very good when they're having to play from behind. They tend to know the right places to get for vision, but the tempo loss is significant. And what we saw in Game 1 was a team that, well, they had Corky, they had Cassidy, they had Echo, they had all these things that were going to scale— But for every other game, they went for these siver comps. And the thing about a siver comp is you can't fall behind. And if you do, you have to be using aggressive wards to get catches so that you can get these towers back on your side and start snowballing those leads. Because otherwise, the team that has better scaling, like Origin did in Game 4, is going to catch up just like you did in Game 1. And it seemed like they never learned that. They kept having this very defensive strategy and hoping that Origin would screw up. And at the end of the day, Origin only screwed up two games and one of them, they just didn't close quickly enough. So for me, this was a great understanding of how H2K wanted to play from Origin's perspective, just taking advantage of this more defensive reactive play style and forcing them onto this back foot, waiting for an answer that never came. But on the other hand, it does worry me that H2K had no idea what to do when down from behind with the Siver comp, when you have a LeBlanc that had a whole bunch of kills like they did in Game 4. There were some clear mistakes being made in terms of how they handled the macro play, because they were just so focused on this reactive, defensive... Wait for them to make a mistake, and then we'll strike, which you can't do with a silver
1: comp. Yeah, the problem with me for, for H2K's playstyle is that if they get behind, it's not so much they don't know what to do, it's just that if you get behind, it's, so, it's damn near impossible to play their playstyle, rotational, just take towers, just take towers, because in those situations the opposing team can just wave clear once you fall behind to a lulu lucian composition you're never going to be able to take a tower unless you really get them caught off on some crazy rotation where you're starting mid and then you split like three people to go bot two people to go top and have them you know try and split their wave clear it's i don't think it's necessarily the players themselves aren't able to play when they're behind they've shown a few times this year that they can play from behind and they have stalled out games and ground out some victories the the games against vitality in particular ring kind of true you know one going for a win one going for a loss but I think it's just in general the play style of the team and part of that in this series has to come from the fact that Yankos and Vander just didn't seem to have the type of impact that they normally do you said it yourself Yankos steered away from champions like Nidalee or Kindred and, and going into some of the games, they were banned. Origin continually banned the Nidalee and H2K didn't start banning the Kindred until game three. And then they won two in a row once Kindred was banned because Amazing wasn't having very much success on the Graves in game three. And then game four and five had a really good series on, on Gragas. So when it comes down to it, it, it was really disappointing. Even Odoamne wasn't great. He was mediocre, in my opinion, and it wasn't really his job to carry, but he needed to have more of an impact in their losses, and, and he just didn't. He looked very flat as well.
0: Yeah, it's a lack of understanding of what it is your team is trying to accomplish. H2K showed that they understand why a Siver comp is super effective. That's why they won game three. When you execute it and you get a lead, then it becomes pretty much unstoppable. But H2K. Is such a reactive team, and if game one should have taught them anything, it's that they'd rather be the ones playing into a silver comp and then trying to manage the side waves themselves and forcing the enemy on the back foot and hoping that they can scale up, because that's what they're good at, than trying to force the enemy on the back foot and put themselves in a position where they might have to play from behind if they fail to do so early. Uh, to some of these better scaling compositions that Origin picked, on the other hand, just really quickly about Origin, we we mentioned a little bit earlier how weird it was that Xpeke came in for Game Four when they were down two to one. This was also the first time that Soaz picked Echo, despite the fact that he had multiple chances up until this point to pick the champion, that may or may not have been able to make a big difference in some of their losses. What was going on here? Do you think Origin just out mind themselves, or is there a method to the madness?
1: I honestly don't know. The, the lack of echo priority for some teams over the course of this weekend is a mystery. It's an enigma. I don't understand. And going back as I've watched the North American games, the rest of the European games... Going into the finals, guys, uh, I know I said Trundle was going to be the most important pick probably for a while. I'm wrong. I was wrong. There was some nerfs to uh, Titan Hydra and, and other things and little adjustments that don't make him so great. But Echo, um, I really think that a great pick ban strategy might just be to ban Echo and Poppy and then first pick Maokai and just kind of shrug your shoulders and go, all right, what are you going to play top lane into us? Echo is a, is a linchpin for a few of the teams that made it into their final games and is going to be the crux in which teams win or lose the third place matches and the grand finals matches. So it'll be interesting to see how teams play around this one really core pick.
0: Yeah. Well, you know who understood exactly what their team's core picks were and how to execute it properly? G2. Kikis is, he didn't listen to the whole you being wrong about Trundle thing. He was very happy making Trundle a priority. And the team seemed to play around him and, and that energy quite a bit. These were four much faster games than we saw in the previous series. Fnatic and G2 both uh, winning quite quickly when they won. I think the longest game of this whole series was something like 33 minutes, which tells you just how different these series were. Yet at the same time, at the end of the day, it did feel like it came down to the same kinds of things. What was your biggest takeaway here in this series?
1: G2 plays good when they play fast. When they get out in the lead and when they have really high-impact champions going into the mid-game and they get a lot of pressure on you in the early game, they're unbeatable. They're fantastic. When they play to their strengths, they are absolutely fantastic. And they quickly realized in in their picks and bans that they really had to go after Spirit they couldn't let him get the Nidalee. He really punished him on his signature champion in, in game two, and that's what got the win. Mm-hmm. And then even when he got onto Kindred and got onto Graves, which are still you know pretty early game aggressive junglers, Trick just went after him. Trick just invaded the jungle. He got wards. He went after him. He went with the fervor of battle on the Kindred as opposed to Strength of the Ages, which we're seeing become a little bit more common. He did that It looks kind of weird to me, but the Runon's Hurricane build, just trying to give himself as much attack speed as possible and and get as many auto attacks in um, underneath Wolf's Frenzy, just very well played. And again, they played through their two primary carries, which are trick and perks. They're two MVP and Rookie of the Year candidates. Winners, not candidates. From there, they just played out. Kickus had a fantastic series of of holding a, a mediocre top laner in his place. Yeah, game two was was definitely Fnatic winning the game. Fnatic went all out in game two and just absolutely crushed G2 because Spirit got Nidalee and Spirit was able to impact the map as much as he could. But once they just batted out Nidalee for the rest of the series, it it was over. It was done. Fnatic was done with.
0: Yeah, and a lot of this, I do feel it's worth pointing out. It's the same thing that Origin proved, which is how to beat Sivir composition. We've seen Sivir get a lot of play in most of the international regions. It is a composition that a lot of teams really like. My team, in fact, really likes. If you saw our performance uh, that I I linked out and put in the description of our podcast previews on Unicorn, we were at a tournament this past weekend. We love Sivir comps too, but they do have weaknesses. And what Fnatic realized in all three of these losses is the same thing, I think, h2k realized in their three losses and that's that if you can't maintain side wave pressure whether it's early or late you just lose as a cypher comp because the enemy is going to scale in game one it was the trundle the Callista scaling up quite heavily in game three you had trundle rise and lucian all scaling up you had the uh, echo rise and Callista scaling up in game four As long as they didn't lose early and hemorrhage these towers to Fnatic, it was always going to be very difficult for Fnatic to get away with this composition, unless you're the one managing your side waves properly. You're the one getting the aggressive words and setting the tempo. And unfortunately against G2, that is a very difficult task because they do such an amazing job of using hybrid and trick to make aggressive roams, to get plays that allow them to set up vision and just keep the enemy team on the back edge. And Kikis on that trundle in particular was just getting right up in people's faces. He didn't care. He was going to split push. He was going to make sure that at least one wave was pushed in so that if Sivir was ever going to make a play, it was very telegraphed where that Sivir was going to go, which meant that G2 could always capitalize. And I think it's fitting that the one game the Fnatic won, not only was that a great spirit game when he got in Italy, but this was also the one time Reckless played something other than Sivir. He had the Ezreal for the self-peel so that he could go back and allow himself to scale in the way that we're kind of finding now. In, at least in Europe, maybe that's enough. Just surviving that early game, controlling your side waves enough so that you're not the one who's constantly hemorrhaging towers – Maybe that's enough to get to the scaling perspective that a lot of these teams are getting to. But I guess at the end of the day, Fnatic's problems, uh, as you've said, they come down to a a mediocre performance in the top lane, Spirit being unable to catch up on anything other than Italy and Kly, poor Kly. I wanted him to, to work out on Fnatic and it just doesn't seem to be happening. His champion pool seemed quite limited, but do you have concerns about G2? I know you said a lot of nice things about them, but do you have any concerns going forward about this team?
1: Yeah, my concerns with G2 lie in what happens when they fall behind. We've seen them blitz so many teams early on and when they win, it's because they just come out and blitz a team. There are very few instances where they get behind, you know, if they're behind by about 20 minutes, there there's no real way to get back into it. They don't really play Late scaling compositions, you know, where the the rise surprised me from perks. Let me say that the rise absolutely surprised me from perks, and the fact that they prioritize it so much says it's a really strong pick, and he happened to make it work. But it works so well because the rest of the team is able to play so aggressive and up and in your face during the rest of the game that he's allowed the time basically to scale. And I think that's great. That bodes very well for him against Power of Evil, bodes very well for him against. A mediocre Amazing. Granted, Amazing played pretty well in the games that Origin won in the series against H2K, but across the board he's not been very great at ganking for the mid lane, and that's not been his priority since he joined Origin last year. That being said, Origin just has something special kind of going here in, in the postseason. And I don't really have an exact pinpoint on it. I think it's just that their players are playing better. It could be that simple. And again, that's very lazy analysis. But they are. They're just playing better. Zven has gotten out of his hyperbolic time chamber and doesn't seem so tired. Power of Evil has been playing a little bit better on the utility mages. Amazing and Soaz have been... They haven't been playing to the level that they were at IEM San Jose or even you know, last playoffs, but they're playing fairly well. And it just comes down to Origin has been beating their opponents. And sometimes that's all it takes. It doesn't need to be some crazy strategic advantage it doesn't need to be some crazy oh we got him on some weird counter pick you don't always need to bring in your longtime former mid laner and owner and coach and whatever else you want to call xpec hey, a sometimes it, you don't need to do weird things sometimes it just comes down to we played better than the other team and we won the game and origin has a little bit of that feeling but when it comes to g2 i'm not sure that they can sustain it
0: yeah, it is interesting to see G2. Even in victories, they always make me nervous because they'll pick engages they don't need to pick. Like, they'll, they'll set everything up the way that they should. The vision will come and they'll have the wards where they need them to be so they can get the teleport flanks they want, but they'll always stick around too long or they'll force something that doesn't need to be forced. And these kinds of resources, it's the kind of performance that Fnatic, of all teams, used to pick on this more cerebral mistakes that you can catch out when teams get overzealous wanting to close out the game and have this huge tempo advantage. And it's something that I can't wait personally to see how how that matches up. Whether G2 understands how to deal with the game when it's slowed down, because Origins games have, you know, typically been much longer. You know, we knew that G2 and Fnatic, it was going to be a battle of who could create the tempo and as a general rule a fanatic opted into those sever comps, which we're seeing now time and again, can be countered if you play very smart around the map. But what happens when now Origin also understands how to slow down the game just enough? And Origin is probably more comfortable with these slower-paced back row games. It's going to be very interesting to see. But you know what else is interesting to see, Walter? Highlight videos. Highlight videos are always fun to see. And The only thing that's a downside, really, when it comes to highlight videos, is that they're difficult to make, right? I mean, how could someone like you or I go and make a highlight video today if we really wanted to?
1: Yeah, you know, I've tried using Adobe uh, Premiere Pro. That's like their video editing software. I've tried a lot of other things. And granted, yeah, like, yeah, you can make these awesome, awesome wipes and pretend that you're you're Zack Snyder and make terrible movies. But (laughs) when it comes to highlight videos, you want ease, you want to just be able to. Get a couple of clips quickly pressed together and get it out on your social media. And that's where I found success with Vibby.com.
0: Yeah, Vibi.com, proud sponsor of the podcast. And we love what they've been able to do here. You just put in the timestamps and you can get, whether it be a Twitch video, YouTube, even Vimeo nowadays, you can cut your clips exactly how you'd like, embed it directly on a whatever website or social media profile you want to share with. You can interact with the community on all these team pages and big sponsored pages if you want to share with people that you know are going to be into the same things that you are because they're on those pages as well. It's a wonderful way to, to interact and get involved. And we highly recommend that anyone who want to start making these kind of videos, go to Vibby.com today and check those out because it is quite fun. To, to do and, and organize for yourself. I'm actually working on a Vibi right now for our uh, Imperial performance from this past weekend, so you guys can get ready for that at some point. But until then, just go to Vibi.com and watch all of the amazing highlight videos that have already been made. And speaking of things that will be very soon, it is the third place game. It is the next game that will be played within the Western world. It is H2K versus Fnatic, and man, is this series an interesting one to preview. You could have told me this was the finals after last week, and I likely would have believed you. Both of these teams... hit what? The- <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> F- Fnatic is... I mean, Fnatic <laughs> was quite good against Vitality. And what? H2K <laughs> was the favorite in the semifinals. Are you kidding me? You would have told me Fnatic was going to beat G2? Come on. Come on, man. I'm just saying, had you told me that, I wouldn't have been surprised. Fnatic just wins in the playoffs. Weird things happen with Fnatic in the playoffs. It's the fact that they didn't happen. Okay, you're a TSM fan who saw them 3-0 Immortals. You cannot talk to anyone about unrealistic playoff performances. Spoilers!
1: Spoilers! Please! Spoilers! (laughs) This is a spoiler-free podcast. I don't know anything about North America. That's true. We
0: only know about that when we record tomorrow. That's right. (laughs) But I mean, this is a series between two European powerhouses as a general rule. H2K, since they have joined the LCS, has been a top contender. They managed to be a top contender with Lulex, of all things, last year. And now they've carved an even stronger identity for themselves, at least throughout the regular season, before this back-and-forth series that ultimately ended in disappointment against Origin. And you have Fnatic, a team that struggled out of the gate, didn't seem to really come up with an identity, had a huge revelation about how to play the game before I am Katowice, before people finally caught on to how that strategy worked and how to beat it. Jin. And now, yeah, yeah, the the old Jin comp that now no one plays because of how easily countered it is even before the nerfs went on uh, on 6.7. And then now you had him again pull it off against Vitality only to Walter one week later. Let's start here, Walter. What version of these two teams do you think we're going to see? Is it the version that have come up with these interesting compositions and kept enemies on their toes strategically? Or are these teams that are going to be a little worn out, a little bit confused after seeing their strategies fall apart last week?
1: so I think in terms of h2k Yonkos and Vander are going to come back with a bit of a vengeance because they're kind of they, they had some banter over the course of last week leading into the the semifinals match with origin and they didn't live up to it they did not live up to any of the trash talk they got crushed essentially they played poorly so I think they're going to come out they're going to try and make a statement here probably is an extremely intelligent coach and will never ever let Spirit play at least in Italy, maybe not even Kindred. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Kindred and Italy both banned or, or one of them first picked. That being said, if they don't show up, Fnatic has a very good chance of winning. I, I think that Fnatic has shown up in the playoffs for the most part, but Fnatic's one downside is to me, what champion is Reckless going to obsess over now for this series when he's not very good at it and uh, He still insists on playing it. We saw it with Jin for so long that, okay, you caught everybody off guard at at IEM and then you kept playing and everybody's like, all right, we know you're going to play Jin." Same thing against G2. He, like, played Sivir. That was it. He had the one game on the Ezreal that they won because it probably caught G2 slightly off guard and they were able to slow everything down and play this very poke, scaly kind of composition. But then games three and four, he's right back to the Sivir. That's not very successful for him. So, Reckless i'm not sure reckless is good anymore he's great mechanically but i'm just not sure that i'm not sure he's either on the right team or he's in the right mindset it seems very weird to me that you would insist on playing the same champion that you've already lost twice with in your your final chance your your last game to potentially go to the finals so i'm just not quite sure that he's good quote unquote anymore
0: Well, to be fair, if we were going to say that, then we'd also have to point out that Forgiven was 1-3 on the same champion that Reckless went 0-3 on in this series. Both teams highly obsessed over the Ziver. Both teams had it proven to them that that wasn't going to go very well. And neither team adjusted. And I think it's funny that both teams failed to adjust for different reasons. H2K never adjusted because they're a team that usually likes to play a very defensive, reactive style. They like to catch you when you're making a mistake, which is great when you're playing the composition that scales. But as I mentioned before, they were playing these early game compositions, so they were never going to have that to fall back on. So this kind of defensive warding and these more conservative plays around the map never really paid off for them. It just meant that they were slowly losing instead of finding ways to win. Whereas with fedatic. They just fell off like that. It would be, you know, they'd be doing fine, they'd be doing fine, they'd be doing fine. And suddenly, the fact that they had kept even in gold would just turn on them. Especially in the Rise games, when the Rise finally hit his power spike, it was just game over. And suddenly, Fnatic had no way of making any plays anywhere, and G2 could just run over them. And it creates a situation in which Sivir is... Both a priority and an anti-priority, I think, for these teams. I think both of them still love this pick. It's still a great pick. There's a reason that people pick it. and It's because Sivir is so good at taking towers when you do manage sideways properly, when you pick a team around it that is able to be proactive. But it just doesn't seem to be the way that either one of these teams plays when they're playing at their best. So the question then becomes, Walter... What do these teams have to do to get back in that headspace and return to the thing that they do best? Because as you said, both of these coaches are smart enough. They should understand both why their civil comps didn't work and what it says about their team that it went the way it
1: did. So assuming that they can see it, where do they go from here? Get forgiven onto Bully. Get Forgiven and Vander onto a, a dual bully lane and just go after the Reckless and Cly. Cly has shown in that last series that he does misposition when he's trying to go get wards. I don't think as badly of him. He's a rookie. He's going to take some time, and he's playing a very intricate position in my opinion. I think two of the more complicated positions to play are, are jungler and support, and it doesn't help that he doesn't outright speak the same language that Spirit does. Spirit does have some English skills, but I don't think it's enough... You're asking a rookie to not only deal with that barrier, but essentially play his first competitive season ever. I don't think he was really on any primary challenger teams or anything like that. So you have to go after Reckless. You have to go after Cly. You have to realize in this series that Ryu and Fabiven are probably going to match up pretty evenly. And the same thing with Gamsu and Odoamne. So it comes down to what can Yonkos do in the spirit and what can Forgiven and Vander do against Reckless and Cly. And if the Yonkos that we know and love shows up, And they ban out Spirits Nidalee, I see H2K having an advantage not only in the bot lane, but also in the jungle as well.
0: Yeah, and pick and ban phase. I mean, all these things you've pointed out, these are things that I do think give H2K a cerebral advantage, if you will. If you're looking at how they're going to try to outplay Fnatic from a macro perspective, right now, Fnatic is limited by what their bot lane is doing. You can say all you want about Cly, and trust me, no one wants to defend Cly more than I do. I've worked with the guy in the past, back when he was on MYMTR for us last split. So I've talked to the guy. He's a very friendly dude. He's very good in solo queue. I've seen the guy play. I know he's a good player. He is not particularly well-suited for this. He has a couple champions that he feels very comfortable on, and those are not the ones that are particularly popular right now. And so what you're left with are champions that he keeps getting caught out on, that he's vulnerable on, that are forcing Fnatic to lock in things early. And I think Prawley can absolutely take advantage of that, especially when you look at what that allows Forgiven to do. You're talking about a bully lane. Now bully someone who already has nerves issues and positioning issues. This can only go in their way in that regard. And on the other hand, if your Fnatic... I think it's really hard to pin down any one strategy that's going to catch out H2K gaming, because that's been a fanatic's thing, right? They pick one composition, and they roll with it until you beat it. They picked gin until gin was stopped, and then they went to Sivir, and now Sivir's been stopped. So what's next? And are they going to be able to do it and not have H2K adjust properly? That's really the question for me at the end of the day, is... Which one of these teams will learn from their experience in the semifinals that you can't have just one plan with some slightly different variables. You need multiple ways to win and you need to be able to react if you see that there's a significant hole in your plan. And both of these teams had holes, but I think H2K is more equipped just given where their players are in the untapped champion pools that... Guys like Yankos and Vander and Forgiven can come back to this week that can really start turning things in their perspective. I'd love to see a, a Forgiven Caitlin, for instance, with the traps for some zoning and some sieging potential in a really good early game.
1: Yeah, I really want to see the Caitlyn from him. I, I'm slightly surprised we didn't see it from them at all against Origin when other teams were very successful with it, in, in North America especially. Mm-hmm. But they also had the first series in the, in the semifinals out of either region, so they probably didn't really I mean, experiment you, with it much.
0: You could just look at Korea and know that, or China and know that Kalen is a thing. It's not that you had to wait for North America to prove that a power pick was a power pick. But <laughs> if anyone should know, it's forgiven. I'll put it that way. And it is interesting to me that both of these organizations are finding themselves in the semifinals because they were a bit stubborn, either because they were limited in what they were capable of or because they didn't want to make changes to their plans. But whatever reason, this is why you're in the third place game. And the team that's going to fight their way into third place and get those extra 20 circuit points is the team that I think picks up that lesson the fastest and uses it to make themselves a more versatile and more dangerous team in this series. Walter, with all of this said, where do you think the line is
1: on this game? I have it at H2K minus 175.
0: Okay, I get this by one whole point. What? Because I said minus 180, it is minus 178. It's literally a rounding error that separates us here.
1: Wow, that's, that's, that's ridiculous.
0: I mean, on the bright side, we both
1: can agree that this is exactly where the line should be. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's, yep, that is, that is on point. <laughs> on point, completely on point.
0: It's an interesting one because it makes me look at H2K minus one and a half at plus 125. I don't know it's... how much Fnatic has in the tank at this point. I think they've played their hand. I don't think Cly's champion pool is going to magically get bigger overnight. And I don't think that we're somehow going to see Spirit play with more consistency outside of his Nidalee when we have yet to see it out of nowhere. Gamsu hasn't been that guy. I really like that plus 125 for H2K at minus one and a half. You could also talk me into Fnatic winning map one as a hedge plus 110. Because if Fnatic does have a new idea, then it's likely game one where they can catch it out. We're going to come back to that. But first, we should talk about one of the most important tools when it comes to picking these kinds of smart money bets that we are so well known for on this podcast. And that's our good friends at Esports Fans. You know, we actually had an interview recently where we were asked, like, what is it that allows us to make these kinds of smart money bets and consistently come away with a profit? And when you look at a site like Esports Fans, it's very easy to see how you can find those little advantages. They use really nice and neatly organized bar graphs to show you exactly where a team ranks compared to the league average in all these different terms. It's come from first dragon, the first tower, first baron, all of these different angles that you can look at from a team perspective, from a player perspective, they have post-match pages, all of these different pieces of information. And they all come together in a really interesting way. Walter,
1: was there anything in particular that grabbed you this week as we were prepping for the pod? Well, I'm a jungle main, so I went and I looked at the junglers that we're going to see here in the grand finals. Amazing... And trick, and just looking at the statistics for both of them, amazing is a pretty average jungler around the mill. He kind of sits below average, even in most of the categories, or, or slightly above it. With his one exception, be uh, with his two exceptions being first blood percentage and wards per minute. First blood, he's almost at fifty percent first blood rate uh, percentage, and wards per minute, he places uh, 0.59 0.59 wards per minute, which is eight hundredths of a point ahead of the average. Uh, his KDA sits at 3.8, which is half a point ahead of the average. And then you look at Trick. The MVP, the the best player in, in Europe, arguably, the best jungler by far. And he is above average in every single statistical category, with the one exception being wards per minute. He wards at a very, very low rate of three-tenths of a word per minute. And his overall KDA is 7.9, which is... 4.6 points ahead of the average, and just over four points ahead of where Amazing is. Just a fantastic player. You can look at their differences and their most played champions. Every single one of Trick's champions has a higher kill percent ratio than that of Amazing's highest kill participation a champion, which happens to be Groggis, and he's played it 12 times over the course of the uh, European season. So, Head on over to Esports Fans, check out the statistics, and, and you'll quickly realize why my favorite team for gambling is G2 Esports.
0: Yeah, that is an insane stat, by the way. Trick has been out of his mind, and I think this series is going to be out of its mind. I'm very excited to see G2 face off against Origin just because it gives us these stylistic differences that we were hoping for from a finals in Europe. But at the same time, I feel, and I maybe I've accentuated this point too much already, but both of these teams got here because they proved they understood how to take down a Sivir comp. G2 did it aggressively by having their top laner aggressively push out sidewaves, use very aggressive vision to set up flanks and take towers and match or outdo what a Sivir is capable of in the early game and let their scaling take up, and Origin just went for the scaling. They went for things like the Lulu, like the Cassidy, and allowed themselves to finally deal with some of these defensive tendencies from H2K and take advantage of it. But in this series, both of these teams have to be aware that the other has proven to take care of a Sivir comp. So at the very least, they're going to have to do something new if they're going to find a way to succeed. And so we'll start there, Walter. What do you think we're going to see from these teams as they try to make their final adaptation heading into this European Championship Series?
1: For Origin, I think everything is going to revolve around going into the bot lane and trying to take advantage of the overaggression that Hybrid and Emperor have. Hybrid actually in Game 2 got caught out a few times trying to go in ward and trying to set up plays. And some of his plays just didn't work out on what was one of his signature champions in the Thresh. You know, it's basically Bard and then Thresh. So when I look at what Origin is good at, Zven has been phenomenal over the course of the playoffs and even earlier on in the season, probably going through the first 15 games or so before it seemed like he started to kind of tucker out, like he got a little bit tired of carrying. That's back. Hardcore carry Zven is back. When you pair him with Mithy, him and Mithy are at fantastic two-on-two duo. And I think both of these teams want to find that 2v2 matchup. They don't really want to 1v2 because it takes some of the aggression out of it. When you look at the other side, when you look at G2, it's all about getting perks going and getting trick going and really trying to fight against the mid laner and the jungler of the opposing team, whether it's in 1v1s, whether it's in 2v2s. And I think They're going to keep doing what they're good at. They're going to keep trying to play through that mid lane. They're going to keep trying to play through perks. They're going to keep trying to play through trick. And even if they put perks on the rise again and try and go for that little bit of scaling, that is where their primary punch is against the enemy team. And I think they have a very, very massive advantage when you look at going into Power of Evil, Slash Xpeke, and Amazing. I think the synergy is there for Trick and Perks. Even though they don't really speak the same language, they have just been on fire since the beginning of the season where Power of Evil and Amazing really haven't always been on the same page.
0: I think you're absolutely right. When it comes to G2, you have to count on what's gotten you here so far. Perks, won the rookie of the split for G2 here. He played to such a level that it was impossible to ignore what he was doing. And Trick was the MVP of the whole league. The guy was out of his mind. And when you have these kinds of talents on a roster, when you have these pieces together, then all you really need to take that next step is for one guy to leap forward. And in that semifinal series, it was Kikis. Kikis' trundle was incredible, that series. And his echo in Game 4 was a lot of fun to watch. And when you look at how dangerous this team gets when you have that extra lane going in their favor, now all Emperor and Hybrid have to do is go even. And if you give Hybrid Braum for any reason, which I I doubt that Origin's going to do, but there are a lot of ways in which G2 can limit the power that Sven and Mithy are going to bring to that lane. And if you're Origin and you're looking at well, we really need Soaz to overstep what Kikis is doing, and we really need Power of Evil slash Xpeke to come over and and stop what Perks has been able to accomplish so far this split. Well, that's going to be a tough ask. But I I think we should hit this point with Origin here. We've already added that slash when it comes to the mid lane. Do we see Xpeke again? In this series, was this a one-time? We desperately need power of evil to look at some film and understand the mistakes that he's making that we can exploit. Do you think that there's a legitimate reason that X-Peke was there that he might not be brought out here again? Now that we're in the actual fun,
1: I think bringing X-Peke out was to try and catch H two K off guard, and it sort of worked. I don't think that it'll catch g2 off guard i now think that young buck and the rest of their support staff will look at it and go okay there's a chance that XPK comes out if if they go down a couple games and and they need to win one to just continue playing the series so i think we could see him potentially if they get to you know they're down 0-2 or they're down 2-1 and they just want to stay in the series and get one extra game i don't think it's very likely because there was a surprise factor against h2k and there won't be against g2 I don't think the way that they use Xpeke was very different from the way they use Power of Evil. So we could see him. I don't think it's very likely, but it's a toss-up. I didn't expect to see him against H2K. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe we'll see him. I don't th- I don't think he'll have a huge impact. I don't think he had a huge impact in that game other than, oh crap, now we're playing against Xpeke.
0: Yeah, I mean, he tends to be playing these very support-ish mid laners when he comes in, the Lulu's. These are the things that you can play even when you've been taking a step away from the game. Do things like, oh, I don't know, own and run an entire esports organization like xPeke has had to do. You know, it it seems like it was a one-time get-out-of-jail-free card because H2K obviously didn't see it coming and xPeke was going to give them enough time to scale with the Lulu pick and they acknowledge that a, that was something that was going to help them there, and B, they needed to slow down the pace of the game somehow, or else H2K was going to keep running over them with these cipher comps. Against perks, I don't think that helps. I don't think you slow down G2 the way that you can slow down H2K. H2K wants to slow down if you give them an excuse to, because they love playing defensively. G2 does not know what playing defensively means. They have realized that they can come at you early and often, and as long as they justify it with smart decisions, proactive decisions based on a good understanding of game sense and what the enemy's play patterns are going to be, then they're going to keep prioritizing that and being able to capitalize on it. Is there any one factor you're looking for for G2? that might serve as the X factor that some Origin fans would point to X-Peck AB. Is there anything that you're looking for as a potential surprise that G2 might be saving up their sleeve?
1: When I look at G2, potentially there might be a couple of different unique pocket picks from either the top or jungle. We even saw that... Sort of pulled out a random champion. I would never have expected him to play a rise, but he he was very aggressive with it. It fit kind of into his his style of. He still went up into people's faces. He still tried to rune prison them in laning phase and tried to get on top of them and use trick as his backup of. Okay, I'm going in. Make sure you're behind me in case it's going to be a one v two for me. Ah, now it's a two v two. I'm safe. So when I look at that, the rise pick unfortunately got sort of unveiled. In their semifinals, but if I'm gonna expect anything, it's gonna be some sort of weird pick from Kickus. Maybe a top lane Shaco. Maybe we see something weird. I don't know, but I would love to see a strange pick from them in either the the jungle or, or the top lane. Not not just to pick some random pick, but because it's something very interesting that works. I think maybe a tank Casmidin, sort of in the vein of Echo, with Iceborn Gauntlets and Sunfire Cape. Might be interesting. I don't know. That was one of my thoughts when I saw Echo being picked. So there you go, Kickus. There's potentially something to play with.
0: Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see. Kickus has been known for pulling things out of his sleeve in the playoffs. He, of all people on this roster, understands the importance of catching an opponent off guard. And that is something that I think if you were going to try to mess with Origin, doing something unexpected like that. No, something like what Perks did by bringing out the rise as often as he did against Fnatic. That was something I don't think any of us were expecting. We've seen it in top lane in Korea as a specific counter to Maokai because it's basically free farming and you hit your power spike and hope that you can do more than the tanky Maokai can do for the enemy team. But we haven't really seen it in the mid lane. And for it to be as powerful as it was and to work out the way that it did, I think says a lot about Perks's understanding of These little holes in the meta. And I wouldn't be surprised if he came up with one. I wouldn't be surprised if Kikis came up with one. But it's going to be anything that G2 can accomplish. Put Origin on the back foot. To force Origin to react. That's how G2 likes to play. They just want to make the other team uncomfortable and unsure of themselves. And take advantage of those little moments. And I cannot wait to see what G2 comes up with. Walter, where do you put the line for this series?
1: I have G2 at minus 195.
0: Okay. You're going to hate me again. I beat you by one point. I swear I can't make this up. (laughs) I said minus 220. It's minus 208. So you were 13 off and I was 12. Again, rounding errors. This is where we are, people. But this is good. This is, Mm -hmm. to me... Look, I had already wrapped this up. I'm now up 16-7. to It was 15-7. to So it doesn't actually matter. But I do like the fact that Unicorn gave us two lines this week that I think are overwhelmingly fair. They They are. G2 minus 208 is pretty much exactly where that should be. I think they are a better team and win this series at least two out of three times. And it's just a matter of what is Origin going to be able to come up with that slows Gamers 2 down? Because so far, no one's been able to do it. There's a reason G2 got to the top of the standings, and it will be up to Origin to do what has not been done. I can't wait to see if they can pull it off. Walter, we've got to do our smart money bets. Mm-hmm. Can I convince you on G2 at plus 110 to win a minus one and a half
1: handicap in this
0: series? No. No. You, don't, you think, think this is a five-game series? I think series? this goes
1: five. I can't gamble against Orion. I got this weird little feeling in the back of my head about them that they're going to fight, and I can't see this being a 3-0 or a 3-1. I, I, I'm very positive this is going to be a five-game series. Well, we, Very positive. We, we always
0: lose this bet, for the record. In podcast history, I think we've hit the over four-and-a-half maps bet possibly once. But if you want to go for it, it's plus 175, and I'm willing to go with you on this journey.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I think it's five games. I look at it this way. The only person on G2 that has any actual land final kind of experience is Kickus. And that was him playing at San Jose and him playing the finals of last spring.
0: Emperor is very I, upset that you forgot his multiple
1: years in OGN right now. Whatever. Emperor eighty carry. What, I, I, he's not the hard <laughs> carry on this team, though. That, that, yeah, you're right. I, I'm sorry. I apologize, Emperor. You're multiple stints across the globe and in, in OGN. But their they're primary carries and the one person who cost them that game against Fnatic in a hybrid, they don't really have much experience. Trick had seven games in LCK. Perks was in the Challenger Series. You are going up against a team that went to the semifinals at Worlds last year with Power of Evil. If they go into game one and Power of Evil is nervous, they just don't feel it, they could always bring in the man who won season one worlds. So I have this little thing in the back of my head that goes, Origin is, Origin's got some magic in them. They, they got the nobody believes in us juice. Like I don't feel comfortable going that, that G2 is just going to roll over them. I, I'm not comfortable with that. Can Sometimes we... you got to go with your gut. Look, I'm willing to go with
0: you on this journey. But can you join me on H2K with a minus one and a half handicap over Fnatic?
1: Oh, easily. Easily. Okay. So that
0: series we feel a little bit better. And I I do find it interesting that we feel that much more confident about H2K over Fnatic when Fnatic looked as strong as they did against Vitality. But I agree with you on the experience thing. I think that that does matter. And the thing about H2K and Fnatic is that both of these teams uh, have experience, but... It's just looked so much cleaner when H2K is played and they've had their victories. The games that they've lost, they've mostly beat themselves. Fnatic has been beaten, and the three games they lost to G2, they lost hard. Yeah. That said, do we want to hedge on the Daylor effect and say Fnatic plus 110 to win map one? Because that's not out of play. If, if they're going to win a game, if they're going it's- to win no. one, it's going to be game one.
1: No. I disagree with that. Wow. I I disagree with that. It's Prowley. You're saying the de- the Daylor effect, and there's Prowley on the other side. Come on. Yeah, but Prowley's the
0: thing that makes Prowley great is that he's so good at adjusting. Once he knows what it is you're doing, he can find a way to counter it.
1: Right. I I think I think Fanatic wins like game two or three. I don't see him winning game one.
0: Okay. So where do you want to go I'm for? So- a f-
1: I'm sorry, I disagree with you. No, on that, no,
0: I- it's fine. It's fine. Look, we can uh. We don't always have to make the same smart money bets. I know we tend to, but we can disagree if you'd like. I just don't know where the third one comes from then. Because I don't feel good... I don't want to take Origin plus uh, 120 to win map one against G2. I think G2 comes roaring out of the gate quite fast.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you there, and I think Origin adjusts. And Um, when you look
0: at things like First Blood, First Tower, First Dragon, First Baron, these are all fun bets, but these are not the kind of things I want to look towards. They're just... They're so risky.
1: I mean... You know what? Let's take Fnatic wins first map. Because there's value there. But I I don't see it really happening. I think that we should never
0: underestimate Delior's ability to win with weird compositions that no one's expecting out of the gate. I don't know anymore if I believe in his ability to adjust. Because if the G2 series told me anything, it's that they have no idea how to make adaptations when the composition that they wanted to go with doesn't go their way. That was almost embarrassing from them. But when they've needed to come up with something new, when their bags have been against the wall and they're like, okay, we need something. Twice so far we've seen them come up with something that no one else had seen yet that ended up being successful until counters were figured out. I believe Brawley will figure out a counter, but I do think it's possible that Fnatic at least gets one game where they do some weird pocket pick and some combination of things we're not used to. And we're like, whoa, what's this weird thing that they've come up with before we realize how flawed it is and H2K takes it from there. So if you're playing along at home, our smart money bets, G2 and Origin go over four and a half maps, plus 175. That is the five game finals dream right there. H2K minus one and a half handicap over Fnatic at plus 125. And the Fnatic hedge them to win map one at plus 110 and this podcast slightly under an hour we found a way this week I'm very happy with that hopefully you guys are very happy with the podcast if you enjoyed it you should go to soundcloud.com slash esports rough drafts or go to itunes and search Esports Rough Drafts and subscribe to our podcast there. Maybe leave a nice little review. Uh, we love that. It really helps us out. Uh, you can also follow us on social media. I am at Redshirt King on Twitter. Walter, where can the nice people at home
1: find you? You guys can find me at c80s underscore L O L and at slingshot esports.com. Perfect. Don't forget to play along at unicorn.com. See if
0: you guys can do better than we do on all of our smart money bets on a week-to-week basis. So far, we've been 18-15 and in Europe, and we've made you guys $1,377. if You placed $100 bets on everything we recommended. So it's going to be hard to top that, but you can certainly give it a shot and let us know on all of our social media things. We love seeing what you guys are up to. Come back tomorrow as we talk about North America and the astonishing Team Solo mid-performance as the WWE, I mean Riot Games, I mean... Totally natural sequence of CLG versus TSM in the finals comes to pass once more. TSM, TSM,
1: TSM. T-S-M. Goodbye T-S-M. internet.